Well, I think I've brought this topic up before here in, in Clyde, certainly in Lyons I have. And my challenge is right now I'm listening with my audiobooks as I drive in the car and uh, clean, clean the house and whatnot. When I listen to audiobooks, I'm, I'm on this big kick with uh, Jim Jones, listening to all these books on Jim Jones. So my, my challenge will be not to have every homily I preach talk about Jim Jones. Okay, that'll be my. So I'm just going to do one more, though, because <laughs> it's on the forefront of my mind. We see in the book of Acts today uh, a kind of an authority going on here because the Ethiopian eunuch is very much uh, in the dark. He doesn't know what's going on when it comes to reading the prophet Isaiah. It's extremely mysterious. The Bible, the whole Bible, is just full of mysteries. And so Philip comes up to him and, and says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, well, how can I unless someone instruct me? Okay. So it's not that... You know, God just sort of gave us the Bible and disappeared and says, you know, have at it, figure it all out yourself. Okay, so he gave us the church to help us understand what we're reading when it comes to the sacred scriptures. Because they're very, very difficult to understand. They're very deep. It's not because they're, they don't make any sense. It's because their meaning is profound and very, very rich. Uh, and so you have this apostolic authority, uh, Philip, who is... You know, playing the role of the church in effect in, in relation to the Ethiopian eunuch. And so he's instructing and he's guiding and he's saying this is actually a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And he, and, okay. So you do have this sort of authority figure, but at the same time, Philip and the church in general, it's not a cult. And uh, the leaders of the, ch- of the Catholic Church are not gurus, okay, and uh, like Jim Jones. And so h- how do we tell the difference here? Well, the guru and the cult leader, they come and they promise you uh, supreme knowledge. Okay, You've got lots of questions. I'm going to be able to answer all your questions. Okay, There's going to be no more mystery when I'm done with you. Okay, And uh, if you don't yet know everything, well, stick close to me. Don't ever leave me. Follow me constantly. Be totally devoted to me. And I promise you, I am going to give you every answer to any kind of question you could ever have. All right, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's essentially what the guru and the cult leader tells his followers. So he promises them knowledge. Now, that's not the that's not the nature of faith. The faith that uh, the church proclaims to the world is very different than that. It's about mystery. And so when we proclaim the mysteries of God, we don't promise complete and supreme and absolute knowledge. Okay, We don't promise to come and take away all the veils and say, There's, you're going to see and know everything. Because faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. All right, so it's, it's, it's different. Faith is in between opinion and knowledge. It's not opinion, meaning opinion is like, well, you know, uh, this is what I think, but I'm not really sure about it. Okay, Faith is certain. It's not opinion. But at the same time, it's not this kind of knowledge. Knowledge being uh, like a scientific knowledge that's something that you can see immediately. All right? Or a kind of a philosophical, what's, what's referred to as a demonstrative knowledge, is that I'm going to give you, uh, you know, one thesis and then another one, and there's going to be this clear logical deduction, and it's going to fo- the, the answer is going to follow clearly by light of my reason from the premises and so forth and so on. It's not like that. Faith is testimony. It's authority-based, 
Uh, but the authority is an authority we can trust because it's God, okay, who can neither deceive nor be deceived. So if we think about, if, we, if we're familiar with the old-fashioned act of faith that we might have learned when we were younger, it goes like this, Oh my God, I believe that thou art one God and three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I believe thy Son became man and died for our sins. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths the Holy Catholic Church teaches because you have revealed them who canst neither deceive nor be deceived. Isn't that interesting? It's God who's the revealer. You see, the cult leader and the guru, he's the revelator. Okay, You come to him for knowledge. But when, when, with true faith, you go to God. So the mediation of the church is a facilitator of an immediate relationship with God. And it's God that we learn to trust. It's God that we learn to believe. It's God that we put our faith in. We don't see everything he teaches us, but we believe it because we know he's good. Okay, And he loves us. And he's not a moron, he knows what he's talking about, and he's not going to trick us or deceive us, pull the rug out from underneath our feet. So this is what Jesus is talking about in our gospel when he says, and they shall all be taught of God. Okay, So we see the Catholic Church, what it does is it facilitates an immediate relationship of faith between the believer and God himself. The guru always wants you to come to him. And you're never to leave. You know, Jim Jones would always do this thing where he'd say, I have an aura. He was very new age. He was very new. My aura, okay, people from the 60s here will know what I'm talking about. I've got this wonderful aura, and you can never leave my aura. If you leave my aura, you're going to be subject to danger. You've got to be near my aura at all times. (laughs) And uh, I'll teach you to think correctly. The other thing about the guru is that he doesn't ever leave you alone for crying out loud. There's no privacy. There's no privacy. We see this with communism. We see this with all these false ideologies. Okay, The Catholic tradition is so different. We're communal, but at the same time, we value individual contempla- contemplation and, uh, and time spent alone. We have a whole tradition of monks going off into the desert totally by themselves. Right? That doesn't. That's not how gurus work. Gurus are... You know, communistic in their thinking. You gotta always be together. You can never be alone. It's all groupthink. Okay? And you can never get away from the aura of, of the leader. So we value privacy because in privacy you begin, you can start to enter into yourself and you can start to think for yourself and enter into the interiority of your own person where you find the Holy Spirit and you can commune individually with God. Okay? So it's this beautiful balance we have in the church between a communal, uh, you know, dynamic, but yet at the same time it's individual. Okay, so there's this balance between the individual and the community. The guru wants all community and no individuality. Don't think for yourself. Think how I think. Think how how we think, and and that's how it goes. Uh, the other thing is the guru does not bring with him true signs from God. You look in in um, our first reading from Acts, and after Philip baptizes the Ethiopian, he disappears. Holy moly, that's pretty amazing. No, it's not a magic trick. I mean, that's divine power. Okay, Philip could not have done that himself. It's, it's a proof that he's coming from God. And we see he leaves the, the Ethiopian eunuch to go on his own way, it says, to go on his own way. See, the Ethiopian is on his own. He's an individual. Okay, He's got this relationship with God. He's been baptized now. Okay, He doesn't have to be under surveillance, Philip's surveillance. <laughs> okay, 
And then the final mark of true faith and, and of the freedom and the, and the liberty that, that God came to bring us in the truth that God came to bring us, it always brings with it joy. And we see the Ethiopian eunuch going on his way rejoicing in God. And the guru at first seems to promise some really great things that we might get excited about. But at the end of the day, he sucks all of your joy out of your life. Jesus comes to bring us joy. Even in the midst of suffering and hardship and misfortune and all of these bad things that can happen to us, we can still have joy because this is the Easter promise that we celebrate, especially in this Easter season. Christ has risen from the dead. He has overcome death. He has, he has won the victory over sin. Okay, We can have the peace of the testimony of a clear conscience. That's, a, that's the most amazing peace and joy that we can have. Because the conscience is not, you know, it's not a, a, a caffeine high or a, a drug high. It's not a, a superficial high that you might get when people puff you up and flatter you. And the, the high that you might get from being, uh, from having the sense that you're part of an elite group and all of this kind of stuff. The joy of conscience is it's the evaluation of reason itself upon your own character. And reason itself is saying you are okay and are at peace with God and your sins have been forgiven you. How awesome is that? There's nothing that can match that. There's nothing that can replace that testimony of a clear conscience. This is what baptism brings us. This is what the sacrament of reconciliation brings us. This is the peace and the joy uh, that the resurrection uh, mystery, that the resurrection life of Christ in this Easter season brings us.